So symbolic writings. No, that's not what you were going to say. You said, by the way, (laughs) listeners, welcome to the Mind Virus podcast. Uh, This is Jordan, and we don't have Bobby today, but we're going to start mid-conversation with Rob. And he just said, the scriptures are... And that's where you were supposed to start the podcast. Now go. This is what we're supposed to start with right here. Okay. Well, the, the scriptures and by extension, I suppose any no, 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 no. You can't. You can't. <laughs> okay. You can't, you can't qualify this. You have to just go like we just did. You said the scriptures are. Okay. Well. Or can be. So, so the, the scriptures clearly have a lot of symbolism in them. Sure. And it's tricky because it can be a stumbling block for people to read a symbolic message and either take it literally or try to decode it according to their own biases, preferences, desires, traditions, etc. Okay, but that's not what you said. You said the scriptures can be a huge stumbling, stumbling block. block. That's the way you said it. You yeah. said, and I think that's important to be said because they can be a huge stumbling block. Well, well, clearly, you've got people who argue about them who, who in theory, would be on the same side of it, right? People who who defend it as a tradition, um, but then it's kind of hard to interpret that, right? Some of them are very literalist. Some of them are very uh, take it as they please. Like, well, this part's symbolic, but this part's literal. And the symbolic part means what I want it to mean or what I've been told that it means. Right, right. What's symbolic, what's literal? Yeah, and I think think that there are historically, when you look through this, and I think I was just mentioning that I, I, I at some point want to take some more time for myself to kind of sort some of this out. But I think there are some consistent... Um, ways of interpreting these writings that you can find and apply consistently. I guess I'm using that word too much, but no, no, no. I agree with you. Yeah, you, there are there are there is a language of symbol. There is a language of the prophets. I think that's what you're saying. By the way, we're speaking with a friend of mine, Rob. That's the name by which he shall be known throughout this podcast, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, he's a good friend, um, although I haven't seen him a lot lately because of what some call the cerveza sickness. Yeah, <laughs> Rob Rob's one of those guys that I think you might either consider a polyglot or a polymath. Wow, I just blew the levels out here. Now Bobby's not running the audio equipment; he's not with us today, so I apologize if this uh, recording is a little substandard. But what what is a polyglot? Is that, is someone that, who speaks someone who, multiple languages. Oh, I, I thought it had to do with gluttony. I'm also a, a polyglot. <laughs> a polyglot. <laughs> That's, that, yeah, polyglot and a polyglot. Likes likes lots of uh, lots of food. No, Rob. Uh, yeah, I admire his abilities with uh, languages, most definitely. And uh, you and I met taking language courses. That's right. Uh, New Testament Greek, actually. That's right. <laughs> Were you also in the Latin course? Yeah, we took Latin okay, together. That's right. Do you remember your Latin? Uh, a little bit. Only I not as much as I haven't been uh, keeping up with it as much as I should, but it still serves me well. I've lost. Yeah, I, other than like definitions, I've lost. Uh, I think any declensions, any I, I don't remember the the endings of the words or the conjugations. That's where I'm. I did not commit that to memory. I've failed on that point. <laughs> 
You can always pick it back up. Can you I guess. read? Can you read it? Can you still follow it through and and read it? Uh, depending on the complexity of the subject, I could probably get about forty percent of it without too much heavy effort. But do you remember the hike hike hoke? <laughs> no, but your boys sure figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, what's a polymath? Well, polymath would be someone who studies multiple subjects or, or significant uh, studies significantly into multiple subjects. I would say, right? Um, Mathetai, the the Greek. I mean, if we're going to go back to like right, Greek that's and Latin, the word, that's mathetes was the word uh, translated as discipulus in Latin, meaning the twelve disciples. The or not 12, but disciples. Learners or students or people who put effort into learning things. Yeah, right. so that's all are, that math and disciple stuff. So yeah. essentially Jesus had 12 students, not... Well, they called him teacher, didaskalos, right. all right? I mean, like... Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so here's here's an example of what you were getting at about the scriptures being misinterpreted, I think. Oh, yeah, master, if the words like that or... Well, yeah, what's it? What's the difference between Jesus having 12 disciples versus having 12 students? It's a world of difference, isn't it? Well, yeah, and I mean, well, you can really get into it. By the time you translate something and then you interpret it, and then there's, you know, uh, di- different traditions that, that want to impose their meaning on it, you, we don't we don't have all of the original texts of some of these things, but the oldest ones we have are probably the, the best to start with if you're trying to really get at what the words mean. Um, so, you know, I've, I've got a blog post about this from a while back, but like words like sin... Uh, carry a lot of baggage. Um, words like repent, words like redeem, words like mm-hmm. salvation, like all, all of these things. These people people sort of interpret them the way they've been told or the way that they want to. Well, it's not just the interpretation of like because you can boil it down to a, a paragraph and say here's what the word sin means. But what about all the psychological baggage? Now, this a lot of this won't come as a surprise to most of the listeners here on the podcast. And by the way, welcome if you're new. Uh, for Rob, for your information, we have an interesting, uh, relationship with the people on our podcast. Uh, we all keep each other at arm's length and we're, and and they like to remain anonymous and we like to remain anonymous. And, uh, but their job is to promote the podcast. The now, listener's got, job the is listener's to promote the podcast. Jo- <laughs> anonymously. the listener's job okay. to promote the podcast. Go team. <laughs> so, Go no, team I, anonymous. <laughs> Anyway, uh, no, we, uh, I know a lot of the listeners personally, and uh, yeah, this is a subject I think that is uh, interesting to most of our listeners, otherwise they wouldn't be listening, and, and Bobby and I have addressed it off and on, and so I think they're familiar with this idea that words have different meanings, but th- we all know how difficult it is to break out of a, a paradigm that's a deeply held paradigm that you've had your whole life, and even if you consider yourself awakened I, I would, or, we would never use the word woke here okay sure okay, but awakened not in a positive or, sense anyway <laughs> not, no, there's 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 a problem with wokeness out there and uh that's a different a different subject but awakened to the to the world being fundamentally different than you had originally thought that's a real thing right yeah or, or at least being um being curious enough or open-minded enough to consider what what might be that you had that you don't already think you know i mean right you, you have you have to start from somewhere i mean you, you you learn a language from your parents and you gain traditions from them whether or not they're quote-unquote religious i mean everybody starts somewhere but at some point you've got to get to where you say to yourself well i i'm probably gonna at best make my own decisions here and i should i should be willing to sort that out and give myself enough time and space to do that without taking it personally and drawing lines in the sand and this is this and i'm going to defend this and that kind of an attitude well you you had brought up the scriptures because you had 
we were, we were, we were talking about what to talk about on the podcast and we started to talk about religion. And then I, uh, suddenly decided we should start recording. Sure. <laughs> so you're hitting, so you're hitting this mid, mid conversation, but I think it's good. You said, you know, the scriptures can be a great stumbling block because of how they're interpreted. Right. And, uh, that interpretation has a lot to do with the environment that you grow up in and what you understand the words to mean, for example, like sin, like repentance, and what kind of guilt ought to be associated with, for example, making a mistake. Or... Maybe, maybe guilt and shame are good things, and maybe, maybe, God's, a, maybe God's an angry executioner, and maybe, <laughs> and maybe the only way to get away from this burning cave of hell is for, yeah, I mean, like, you, you can think, you know, you can think that these thoughts are your own, but they come to you from traditions. I mean, there's a lot of, I'll, I think you use the word baggage. I, that's a good word, I think. Or, or it's a mind virus. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a contagion. They're, they're, I think so. I think as soon as, as soon as something like that takes hold. And of course that idea is older than, uh, 2000 years. Exactly. Right? I mean, um, <laughs> this has been going on since the beginning of time. Sure. Sure. Like the, the, the idea that, well, you need me to save you from whatever it is, something external, maybe even yourself. Um, well, continue the thought on the scriptures here. So I, I, I interrupted you. You were going somewhere, I think. Do you remember? Well, I, I think what I was saying, so yeah, we, we talked about a couple of things. What, what I was thinking of was that there will be a time, I'm kind of focused on some other things at the moment, but there will be a time when I'm going to go through and I'm going to try to um, condense and make sense of a lot of the, the symbol, imagery, uh, meaning stuff mm-hmm. from, from all of these uh, let's just say symbolic traditions. You could call them prophets. You can call them a lot of like scripture. Like all, all of these, all of these things that are encoded with that language purposefully. I think that there is consistent. There's enough consistency there um, to give people better interpretations of this stuff. Because if you encode a message and someone can't decode it, like did it serve its purpose? Well, maybe if the if the purpose is security. I mean, back to like the IT security idea. It's like, well, people uh-huh. encrypt things on the internet so that they can't be read by some people, but also so they can be read by others. And whether you're talking about symbolic scriptural writings or whether you're talking about internet communications, yeah. they use the same word. They use the word key to decrypt them. And if you don't have the key, you know, people think about keys in terms of like authority, but the keys are keys of understanding. If you yeah. don't have the key, you can't unlock the mystery, yeah. and the, and the, it remains a mystery to you. And if you can unlock the mystery, well, now you're you know this is what the mystery school traditions would teach people to do: how to encode and decode things that look like mysteries to most people. Okay, so that's a good question. So what? And we were. I don't think we got to. Uh, so you're getting the the live in the wild conversation now because <laughs> we were kind of d- discussing some of the nuances uh of religion where rob and i i don't know if we have difference of opinion but maybe we have some different language or some different thoughts or whatever and and as i explained bobby and i love to to talk about we love to talk about on the podcast the hero's journey and and symbolism and you bring up a really good point that a symbol conceals and reveals right depending on who you are and what keys you hold Sure. <laughs> Dare I say that? Well, I, put, I put that in air quotes. Well, that's, yeah, that's I, I don't know touchy. that. I don't know that that should be that controversial. It I kind mean, of is because uh, you know there. I'm not going to name names. I'm pretty sure a lot of our podcast is of an LDS background. Okay. Although we have probably some people that aren't necessarily, but we talk about Mormon topics or. I think my understanding is right now that it's out of vogue to call them Mormon topics. But, I'm uh, happy to call them Mormon. Yeah, I'm topics. a Mormon. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I, I consider myself a Mormon, 
but uh, some of the leadership has made pronouncements on priesthood keys recently. So it is a little bit fringe to say that a key is essentially a, key of a cipher instead of a key something of something that something that serves to unlock versus the papal authority which is if you look at the 1828 dictionary you get all of these definitions <laughs> webster's okay. 1828 will tell you that a key is uh, you know the note on a piano or a like a like a pier where boats dock that's a key uh, it gets through all uh, a key is uh something that unlocks a lock and then they get to a key being a it, cipher it both locks a and unlocks yeah, a lock <laughs> exactly but then yeah exactly but it, it goes through all of these definitions and it says therefore a key can be um something that helps you to understand something that's difficult and then in definition eight it says a key is the priesthood or papal authority of the romish church well i, I guess i guess in, in one way of thinking a key a key is, uh, locks and unlocks a lock for the cage you're in and it allows you access to somewhere else, or maybe a key is a lock and unlock that unlocks um, a mystery. And uh, there's a box, and inside of that are treasures of hidden knowledge. I mean, like, isn't mm-hmm. isn't this what Mormon scripture teaches? That there are treasures of hidden knowledge, and and they they can be unlocked by keys. Like as opposed to that's the way I you're read it. you're okay. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I just don't know that it's that controversial. Maybe there are some people who would take that the wrong well, way. Well, no, like, and it's not it's not super controversial. But the the issue of what you've just said in general is not controversial. But to say that you hold the keys, Rob, then you're going to write a book about it. Well, I I don't. I mean, to say that I hold. Or you're going to write something about. It. Well, that's what it means to have. I mean, I think you can you it? can you can pick up a key and use it. I mean, like, am I the only one that holds any of these particular keys? Like, I, the language is getting in the way. He's, it seems he's saying right? he's saying don't accuse me of don't don't say that I said I held the keys. Well, I hold some keys of knowledge, just like everybody does. Yeah. Like, if you if you want to interpret a symbolic story, you know, if I if I tell you the story of the tortoise and the hare, and you say was the was the tortoise real? <laughs> maybe 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 at some point there was a race between uh, a rabbit and a turtle um but probably not in in any case the key to understanding the story is you know the old slow and steady wins the race thing it's like it's like understanding the moral of the story you can't get there without a key if you read the book of revelation or the book of isaiah and you don't have any keys then again, you're gonna. It's gonna be a stumbling block for you. You're go, you're going to look at that and say, taken literally, this is nonsense. Mm-hmm. And taken symbolically, it's like, gosh, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the dragon means this, and maybe the woman means that, and maybe the child this, and maybe the star that, and maybe the horn this, and maybe the eye that, and maybe the crown this. I mean, you're you're gonna be all over the place. And so it's like, well, I mean, if you're gonna wrestle with something like that, you probably want keys. Good point. And so I'm being a little bit. Um... Facetious? Facetious? Is that the word? Define <laughs> facetious. You're the polyglot. Oh, well, I mean, like you're teasing a little bit. Okay, there I we guess, go. Right? I'm teasing a little bit about that. Yeah, do you hold the keys or whatever? But that's, a, as all of you know, most of you know, if you're one of our few listeners that doesn't have a somewhat of an understanding of the LDS background, this issue of priesthood keys is a sticking point. And that's inherited people. That's inherited baggage too. I mean, the Catholic Church. You, you go to the Vatican, you see the keys everywhere. It's like the sign of the papal thing. It's the yeah. sign of the Vatican, the keys. And yeah. So it's like, well, I have Peter's keys. Peter was given the keys. The keys to what? Well, the keys to the kingdom, and I let you in if if, if you're nice to me or if you do what I say. And right, you know, that's a different interpretation of keys as as in that's like, the papal authority. Sure. And uh, neither Rob nor I is going to make any claims to your salvation, to keys over your salvation, or 
Right, agreed. I'm, you're yeah. you're well, nodding well, your head. Well, sure, surely. And neither are, neither are we going to make any claims to holding keys to uh, authority to control the church, meaning the Mormon church. Well, actually, what they want to call the wants to call by the the full name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. We're certainly not here saying we have any authority there. I'm not an officer in the corporation. <laughs> no. So nor do I claim to be. Nor, nor do I have an interest in being such. So, so we're, that's fine. we're we're talking about the scriptures. Well anyway, Rob, tell us about yourself just a little bit. Just what whatever you want to throw out there for context for our for our podcast listeners who okay are into this sort of thing i'm a 43 year old father of two i grew up in the salt lake area i still live in the salt lake area in utah um it's a lot of information this is your real name uh, yeah well sure <laughs> sure um he's going out on a limb here talking crazy talk with jordan yeah well i, I people who know me think I'm crazy and people who don't know me as soon as they hear me say something they probably think I'm crazy so okay. yeah, uh, do you want to uh, uh, Rob really is a polymath in in the sense that he studies a wide variety of topics and you have uh, you're a, a multi-degreed professional right is, can <laughs> well, we say if it you have way? a job you're a professional so right, sure I know, I'll claim I know, that I know, one I know but um, that but that's that's <laughs> sort of rare most people don't go and get more than one bachelor's degree it's unusual to have people that have a master's degree oh yeah it's maybe less and less usual nowadays because it's becoming you know this uh you must have a public you must have a public education and then a pseudo public indoctrination from a university (laughs) plus maybe a master's degree to get a really good job at a I don't know, Fortune 500 company or whatever right get credentialed and then get paid a lot right that's the that's the (laughs) <laughs> the pattern that people think they should follow. Yeah, like, I don't know, work in education is definitely a, a tangent from where we are, but, like, uh, I don't know how interesting my academic background is. I, I do have a, a bachelor's and master's degree in education, and then I, I work at a university, and so um, as part of my curiosity and whatever, I thought, well, I, I do get a discount on tuition. Maybe I could just um, study some additional stuff that's interesting to me, and if I'm going to study it anyway, I might as well get – Quote, get unquote, a degree. credit for it. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, so I did some, I did, I did a bachelor's degree in an um, IT security, but that's not necessarily my, my focus or expertise not, in the long uh, run. Now I have a, a friend and actually he may be listening to this podcast. He is a, an IT security professional from way back. He says cool. it's a pretty hot field. Are you interested it, in making more money? It, it, it is actually a, a very, it is actually a very hot field <laughs> at, at the university I work at. It's a, uh, it's a very popular program of study. Yeah. Yeah. And for good reason. Um, there's, there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of obviously commerce is done on the internet, et cetera. And so there's a lot of interest in, um, keeping things secure and even, even just, uh, all the, all the different various threats that are posed by people ta- uh, accessing information or refusing to access, refusing access for you, for your information, <laughs> um, has a lot of risk associated with it. So it's, sure. a, it's an extension of just risk management in general. It just kind of goes into that cyber sphere of how do I protect my access to my resources in this case they're digital resources so uh you've got a teaching degree and a master's in that and then the uh, computer security degree did you do one other degree or is that it no i think that's it have um, you thought about have you contemplated other i i have thought of others but it, it kind of comes back to the idea like what's the roi there what's the return on investment do i do i want to put time and energy into a degree stuff or am i at a point in my life where it's really better for me to write books on uh, keys to understanding symbolic writings or, <laughs> or physics or whatever other weird, weird curiosity I'm I see, delving into. I see into. Rob uh, more as a philosopher, personally. <laughs> uh, a lover of wisdom. 
yeah. philosophia. Right. We, and part of that wisdom is that there are practical concerns in your life. So sure. if you don't have other means, sure, but then you, you get you a know, job and you take care of that, your family. That's that's where a lot of our, you know, we've been shooting together too and everything. But, uh, you know. The bull and the guns. <laughs> you shoot the bull plenty. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of it's talk on philosophy, which is, which is fun. So uh, just giving the listeners a little bit of a context. Uh, as to who you are and what you're into, um, when I I always think when I'm talking to you, truly you have a dizzying intellect. <laughs> Wait till I get going. <laughs> Wait till I get going. <laughs> Where was for I? one of the classic oh, yes. blunders. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, yes, Australia. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you're the type of person can, that can talk intelligently, can speak intelligently, and. Uh, contextually about a, a wide variety of topics topics one of those things you've studied is alternative theories on energy tell hmm. us a little bit about that really quickly as we're getting context yeah on well who so, this person rob is so rob's just a really curious person and when rob is bored sometimes he tries to find thing puzzles to figure out and i guess one of the uh one of the more challenging puzzles out there seemingly on a large scale is let's just say physics although that kind of ranges into all sorts of things mm-hmm. um i never felt satisfied with some of the explanations i was given for um physics stuff maybe maybe electricity in general electricity i think is kind of the jump off point because yeah. we all think that there's electrons going through these little wires and they're <laughs> and they're like like they're pipes like water pipes or something. Yeah. So th- this is a, this is actually interesting because it's kind of like the scripture thing we were talking about. Yeah. There there are these symbols and there are these models and they they aren't really the reality. But they're, people they're talk meant a- they're meant to help you engage with reality. But if you don't understand what they're getting at, then you could get confused pretty fast. Right. People talk about them in terms that are very literal and fixed, as if that's what the reality is. Yeah. Well, and, and perhaps it's, like, it's, this is what an amp is. This is what a volt is. And well, and these things are derivatives, their measurements, uh, their posterior attributes of other things and their combinations of such. And so at some point you have to, you have to unwind all the way back. And if you dig all the way to the bottom of things like physics, it's like, so what's there. And uh, so that, that's kind of, you know, that's a, it's this big puzzle. And I thought, okay, let's see if I can, let's see if I can tease this apart and wrestle with it and put it back together in a way that makes sense. So I started getting into uh, electricity stuff, magnetism stuff, light, uh, matter, mm-hmm. uh, gravity, time, well, that, space, all so of this stuff, all, trying to figure it out. That's all really fun. And if you want to talk about it today, we can, we're going to go for maybe another hour and uh, 15 minutes or something like that. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah, but uh, that's that's kind of the way the Mind Virus podcast is. We, you know, if Bobby were here, we'd be talking about whatever was on his mind. You're here. We'll talk about what's what's on your mind, and um, what's on my mind. And did I just hear your phone? Yeah, I just want to make sure <laughs> make sure it's not a responsibility of mine. It's not. It's just a notification. Please, for right? No, no, no. It's okay. That's that's the this the Mind Virus show. It's conversational and it's fun. And you know. Listeners, you need to do a better job at posting comments on the website so that we can have your comments involved in this uh, in this podcast. I wonder sometimes what you're thinking. I know you're listening because I'm seeing them hit the. I'm seeing people hit the website, <laughs> and I, and sometimes when we talk about stuff, I wonder. Ooh, I wonder. I wonder how that went over. But that's okay. That's good. We we uh, we're enjoying this and and having fun doing the show. And what I was going to say, Rob, is you know you're always welcome to come on, and it would be fun to have. Bobby sitting here and have a three-way uh, nerd conversation. Sure, <laughs> if you, you want nerd to call out it anytime. That. Sure, <laughs> if you want to call it that. But I, I think we have a lot in common uh, on a lot of topics, and so it makes it a fun conversation because you do know a lot about it. 
Well, anyway, so you're, uh, we, were, we were talking about philosophy and scriptures and symbol, the language of symbol, which I, I find to be a really, really important subject as relates to who we are, where we come from. And so I'm, I'm definitely very interested to, to see what you might write up. I have a lot of opinions on, on what some of those symbols are. That's, in fact, been an area of study for me for the last several years. And I do think that there is an overriding correct narrative relative to the, to the history of the world, the cosmos, the path of Adam and Eve, if you're to respectively consider yourselves Adam and Eve, and that there's been a, uh, a mode by which these teachings have been transmitted through esoteric temple theology or temple ceremony to initiates and not to everyone. So that's, that's my question to you. Who should get to have the keys? Have you ever read uh, Nibley's Treasures in the Heavens in Old Testament and related studies? I, I have not. I believe I have a copy of it, but I have not read it yet. Okay. That's an interesting uh, lecture in, in that there are treasures in the heavens and God makes them only available to those who, I don't want to say are worthy, but who are entitled to the treasure, meaning not everyone here is of the same caliber or of the same quality. And so therefore not everyone gets the, the same treasures. Have you read any of the Enoch material, the book of Enoch? Uh, uh -huh. Okay. One of the, what was the big sin of the watchers? What was their big error? These are, are you talking about the ones, that, the fallen angels, the fallen angels, the fallen that, watchers, that, that yeah. got with the earthly women or whatever. Yeah. Besides the fact that they were hooking up with the girls, <laughs> did they like the human ladies, the ladies? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head. It was their dissemination of knowledge. They had, they, they had, were telling secrets. They shouldn't they, tell. They were telling saying? secrets. They shouldn't tell. Yeah. They were supposed to be watchers and they were tellers instead. Exactly. Like. They brought, they brought knowledge to mankind. Now it sort of sounds like Prometheus, but the problem is not giving knowledge, it's giving it incorrectly. That's the, I think, what I, one of the big takeaways from the Book of Enoch is that you can't you just... empower people with bad intentions? Well, not, not just that, but people aren't ready for it. When, when you hand somebody a loaded gun, they might point it at themselves and if they don't understand it, sure. and kill themselves, right? So, so knowledge is, is powerful and it can, can hurt people. What's your perspective on all that? What, do you feel like uh, Boy, we, should just, we should just put the knowledge out there or... Well, um... The keys. I, I would say that my, lay, lay the keys flat. I would say that I'm not a I'm not an expert on the topic at this point. Uh, it is like I said, it is something I want to get into. I have been compiling my own notes on what a lot of the symbols mean because yeah, there but, is consistency. But not yeah. Okay, so there's what what the symbols means, and uh, we could talk through that. I'd love to talk. We could talk through through that right now today on the podcast. <laughs> that would be a fun podcast. I think that uh, our uh, listeners would enjoy that. What the symbols mean. From your perspective, okay, yeah. uh, we've gotten into we've gotten into some of, we, we've gotten into some of them, Bobby and I, but the question is still on the table: Who gets to know this stuff? Well, I think we were, we were talking a little before we started recording about some of this, and I think um, one of my thoughts was there was a time there were times and places in the past. You know, you can think about John the Revelator or Isaiah or something, okay. where where um, and others. Um, where saying things straightforwardly might have put you in serious danger and might Got, have made gotten, it, gotten you put into a tree trunk and sawn in half. Yeah, and and, my, and might have also seen your mess. Even it, your message might not have even outlived you, unfortunately. Right. So right. Like, so if really the point was, if the point was to communicate, so we're talking about like who should have the keys. Like, well, so who should know this? Mm -hmm. If you want to communicate that knowledge effectively, and you're in a time and place where it's not where where you're going to face direct. 
um, opposition to that on a large scale, mm -hmm. then it probably makes sense to say it in a way that most people will think whatever they want to think about it. Right. <clears throat> or in a multi-layered way so that they can think one thing or the, the next guy can have a different interpretation. Sure, sure, yeah. So like whether it's Isaiah and he's talking about the Assyrians and the Egyptians and the whoever, okay. or whether it's John the Revelator and it's a woman and a dragon and a star okay. and a beast and a horn and with eyes and okay. there's just, you know, all this stuff. It's like, well, okay. Either way, it's like people are, people are going to kind of take that as they want to. So what do you think about non-canonical scripture? Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming you would... You're, I'm, a, you, I'm an open you're canon open to, guy, let's just say. Op, open canon. Yeah. So yeah, that's something we've talked about somewhat is the idea that canons limit a yeah a co focus. Co collecting truth from the world shouldn't be limited to a particular uh, tradition or binding of a book i mean you look at you look at the the bible as mm -hmm. we say which is really a group of well, books bible means uh, what what does it mean well, books, books right? right yeah and so, <laughs> so it's like it's a collection of books as a book and so it's called the book but it's really the books the books well and and it's it's really some books I mean, even the books that are there was a subset of what was available. I mean, there were there were controversies and conversations and book burnings and and try translations and rewrites and right. There, there were all sorts of things going on. It's like so the Bible as we have it now is a translation of a translation of a of a censored subset. Of, like it's it's pretty far removed from its original pieces. <laughs> like it, it it's obviously a pretty wide ranging in some cases, very old series of stories. And so to, to kind of take it as one thing is a little bit naive. naive. I think that's yeah, the right word. That's, that's right a good word. word. And we are, in a lot of ways, encouraged to remain naive in, inst in institutional settings. You know, here's what it means. Good, now you know. Now go out and do this XYZ program that, that will have certain results, Right. Well, yeah. If you're if you're the kind of person who hashtag would, hear him. If you're the kind of person who would use keys against somebody, I mean, like this is maybe kind of metaphorical, but let's just go there. It's like, so if you're in a cage, literally or metaphorically, okay, and someone has the keys to that cage, but they want you in the cage for whatever reason, what are the chances they're going to offer you the keys? So, like, let's let's imagine <laughs> we're in a pod filled with pink fluid. <laughs> On a big pillar with a bunch of other people in pods filled with pink fluid and light. What is the and matrix? <laughs> control. Okay, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is the matrix? It's control. Good. Yeah, yeah so I, I know you love the matrix. Uh, you know, there was there was a definitely a time in my life where the old me would be hating all of these matrix analogies. Oh my gosh, you guys. The red pilling. So stupid. The, yeah, the red pilling. Yeah. Get off the matrix stuff. But no, the uh, symbol is powerful, right? Well, yes, and I guess one of the, one of the benefits, so there's benefits to encrypting something shall we say right one of them is you can keep people who you don't want to know what you're saying from knowing it so you yeah. can you can encrypt it and hide it which is what crypt means in greek speaking of yeah hidden cryptographic cryptos, hidden right? hidden writings yeah, yeah 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 well and you know crypton yeah. and all the all the things about stuff like oh, that. speaking even, of stories even, yeah okay i didn't <clears throat> yeah, make so, that connection uh, yeah. so they're on krypton yeah yeah okay, so very so good they're, they're very these good. hidden there are these hidden things so you can hide that was things. A, that was a if you're not tracking really quickly with the dizzying intellect over here that was a reference to where superman comes from his home planet krypton okay right. so and there's a hidden place Kry kryptonite okay cool. kryptonite yeah okay. <laughs> and of course his fortress is the fortress of solitude in the north there's these hidden powers okay. and yeah there's all this stuff going on <laughs> okay. but um gosh where was i oh yeah okay cryptography Kry cryptography and th th there's the benefits of that aren't just that you can hide it hide a message from some and reveal it to others it also has some value in that the way that you deliver it 
still has value for people who aren't ready for the full version of it. And so this is back to kind of the parables thing. It's like, mm-hmm. why speak in parables? Well, there's more than one reason. One reason is people are going to hear what they want to hear, and that has its benefits for for practical purposes. Mm-hmm. Another is, you know, I mean, Jesus even says this, right? Like, he who, has, he who has ears to hear, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right, well, he, hearing they may not will hear, hear, and seeing they may not yeah. see. And hear, it, it protects them, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and hearing, hearing in this sort of symbolic sense means understanding. Right. right. So these these are the kinds of things where if you just take them literally, when he says, "Okay, well, hear now the parable of this," after he's told him the story, it's mm-hmm. like, "What do you mean hear it?" Well, what I mean is, I'm going to give you the keys to understand it. This is what the seed means, and this is what the bird means, and this is what the ground means, and this is what the water means, and this is what. And he, uh-huh. he goes through it, and then and then the apostles are all like, "Oh, okay." He says, "Well, it's not given to everybody to understand this." Well, it's given unto many to know the mysteries of God, but they're laid under strict command not to impart, save according to the spirit that tells them to impart. This is Alma chapter 12, right? Sure. Right. Yeah. So so the, the, there are times and places where I suppose people have been have been told, okay, like this isn't one for everybody. So we don't just, you know, this isn't one that I recommend or I, I would encourage you to just share widely. But when, so when you say like, back to your question, should we just like give the keys out to everybody. Like if you go find a bunch of keys, do you start making copies and handing them out? It's like, well, <laughs> I don't see why not. Unless, unless there is some sort of obligation you have to not do that. I, I don't consider myself under any such obligation. I haven't received, I haven't received anything where I was told I couldn't um, talk but, rather but openly about it. yet do you it. still feel that you ha- ought to f- have some level of discretion, even though you haven't been told specifically? I, I suppose so. But like I, that's theoretical. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Well, the Book I'm of Enoch, like, for example, the, the watching angels get in trouble for dishing out the knowledge. They, they're, it was one of their big errors. There's, well, there's an example. Well, but is the, is, is that because they were told not to, or is that because they were supposed to use their judgment and they used their judgment poorly? I mean, like I, there's a I big think difference. It, I there think for it's me. A, okay. So in my opinion, it's because that's the way progression works is what Alma said is it's given unto many to know, but they're laid under strict command not to impart. Okay. So the laid under strict except, command part is different than like, except when using God discretion. Says, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> those yeah, are very different. Th- ideas. Those are different ideas, right? That you're not supposed to tell certain things. Okay. But, uh, I'm not saying I have any of that knowledge that I'm not supposed to tell. I just know yeah. that it, it appears to me that there is a thing that's most holy or there are things most holy that they have to be careful of. Some of these, <laughs> great men like Alma. I think Alma the Younger was one of these greats. He clearly had interactions with the beyond and was told things that shook the earth, that shook him, that that woke him out of his stupor and then made him uh, one of the central figures in the Book of Mormon. At, at, at the one, big reformer in a lot of ways. Well, it's a, it's a time period in the Book of Mormon that we have the uh, some of the most writings about from the King Benjamin to the King Benjamin to the um, advent of the Lord. That's that 120 years or something right there. Even though it's a thousand year history, the book that's right. that's the period that was written about the most. And I think there's a lot of reasons in the version why. that we have. I yeah, guess in the version you, that we have. If you go back to the Lost Pages and stuff, I guess that's a different. Right. Story. Yeah, for sure. Like right, but as that, it exists yeah, now, exactly. But mm-hmm. that's uh, you know that's what we have. Yeah. So, uh, so I think he's, he's following a pattern that I see exhibited in other ancient works and with other people that I think are, that have knowledge, they're careful about what they impart. Sometimes, sometimes maddeningly so. It's like, just say it, just say it, just come on, tell us what you're thinking, tell us what you saw, tell us what you know. 
I, I can sympathize with that attitude of just say it yeah. um, very much. I, I, I think it's interesting in the Book of Mormon sort of sense, you've got someone like Nephi who's, who claims to glory in plainness. And, you know, there's a lot of symbolic stuff that he teaches. And in fact, the first verse of the whole book explains that he had good parents who taught him the mysteries. What does that mean? That means that they gave him the keys to understand this sort of stuff. So okay, but let's, Nephi had keys okay, of knowledge. <laughs> you're the polyglot. Where does the word mystery come from? Greek. Mysterion? What does that mean? Oh, boy. Uh, what is the exact translation? Well, I'm probably going to myst- butcher that. Mysterion, it literally relates to secret knowledge given in ceremony. So it is temple ritual. That's what the, the, the mysteries, you've heard of the Eleusinian mysteries. Sure, sure. You, this, well, that's this what I said, the about. mystery schools. There were, there were different exactly. schools you brought up the different my, cultures. You brought up the mystery schools. But the, but the Greek word mystery has direct rev, uh, reference to and origin in ceremony, right. in ritual. Well, so at the very, very beginning of the Book of Mormon, like from the first verse, yeah. it's like, okay, we're Egyptian mystery school people. My parents taught me all about this. We use that language when we write. That's what I'm writing in right now. Like, they, he says that. Well, right? and he builds a temple after the manner of Solomon's <laughs> temple, whatever that was. We've been taught, based on the canonical works, that the Temple of Solomon looked a certain way. But it's possible it had a lot more of an Egyptian... Well, flavor. that's where the Hebrews got their stuff from anyways, Egyptians. And like, you can only trace some of this so far back before it becomes blurry. Yeah. You know, you get, you get past Pythagoras or something and well, everybody kind of starts shrugging. But. We're allowed, we Mormons are allowed to think about the Egyptians because Pearl of Great Price, right? Well, okay, sure. Should, yeah. Shouldn't we? We shouldn't, we shouldn't even think of this as taboo because Pearl of Great Price. Well, yeah. And the stumbling blocks that that, that sort of represents for a lot of people. You look at like the, the Egyptian... One, stuff that, yeah, I really hate the, that the we facsimiles. Get, I right? really hate that that we get to the Pearl of Great Price and everybody punts. We had <laughs> uh, we had a, a fireside in my stake a couple of years ago where they invited John Gee, who's a BYU guy, Egyptologist. Okay, he sure. Was, he was educated. At Air a, quotes Egyptologist. Well, he was educated at a <laughs> divinity school. He got his Egyptology degree from a divinity school. That's so he's trained in the ministry. Is that what you're okay, telling me? Okay, that's that's different. And uh, this is not a. A lot of people want to put him next to Hugh Nibley. I don't think they're the same. I don't think they're even close. Now, Hugh, Hugh Nibley, was, we were talking about before, I believe spoke a lot in Mormonese, which is maddening. It's understandable to some degree. If your audience, if your audience is going to well, receive that, it in that way, but there's the wink and the nod. So there's the wink and the nod to those who understand. Right? It's like, hey, I'm talking about this in these terms. But you he, know, he you who know, has ears to hear, let he him who hear. has ears to sure. hear. Yeah, hear, let him hear. But, uh, but yeah, they had John Gee come out to defend the Pearl of Great Price, and it was so lackluster because— Defend it against what? Well, because— Against, pe- against accusations of it not being authentic, I suppose, and then— Well, people are leaving the church over it. People are worse than leaving the church. They're thinking of Joseph Smith as a charlatan and a fraud over the, over the Pearl of Great Price. They, they find something like the CES letter, which I'm sure you've read— Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a compilation about that that guy's little ninety five theses grievances that he kind of yeah, digitally I don't, nailed to the. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't compare him to Martin Harris or Martin Harris to Martin, Martin Luther. Luther. Maybe Martin Harris. Martin, maybe, maybe you could compare him to Harris. Martin Harris. I just said Martin Harris instead of Martin Luther. Uh, I wouldn't compare him to Martin Luther, but uh, no. But I mean, it was like a big list of grievances, essentially. Yeah, but, what, but see, these these things arise, I think, because of our institutional rigidity and unwillingness to have conversations like we're having about symbol. Like if you get into this, oh, these are the mysteries. Don't get into the mysteries. Well, Nephi was educated in the mysteries. It's the first thing he says. As as Rob says, (laughs) the first thing he's like, was the language of 
that was the learning of the Jews and the language of the Egyptians. And I was privileged to know the mysteries and had goodly parents. I mean, first verse. And then what's the very next thing that happens is he explains how his father had a throne theophany. His father sure. saw, saw the fiery pillar. Right. He saw the heavens open. He, it, this is ve- the, the language is very similar to some of these ascension texts, right. which were taken out, where he sees the concourses, the circles of angels. Have you ever read Dante's Divine Comedy? Sure, yeah. And the circles the, of the angels. The, and uh, the, what's the word I want? The, yeah, the circles within circles. I can't think of the word right now. Concentric circles? Concentric circles. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, I got a word that, for very Rob nice. there. Very good. Yeah, he's the language guy. See, uh, we always joke that uh, Bobby is the pronunciator in chief in our... <laughs> in our um, we call it an omniversity. He pronunciates the best. Is that <laughs> yeah, his, that's yeah. his specialty. Yeah, we were thinking we, we could we could start a whole school here. We just <laughs> we just string together a bunch of YouTube videos for people and then give them a degree at the end of watching it. You know, yeah, you could do worse. It's the flood, the flood, and Bruno. As long uh, as you're charging money for it, apparently yeah, you, you can charge. do it. You just got to get accredited. Somebody can get you. Oh no, we wouldn't. We don't want to be accredited. <laughs> we want to be unaccredited. Oh, I see. <laughs> you see, because that's a badge of honor these days. But. Uh, no, so yeah, who sh- who should know? Who who gets to know these mysteries? That I think is a is an interesting concept we, in Mormonism today. We have the concept of the temple recommend. Okay, right, right. You, I think people ought to ask themselves: Is that appropriate? But that's not a question that's askable, is it? Askable in terms not of in, not being, on Sunday, being not polite, a, not in church. Have, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean. I interpret these these particular pronu- uh, pronouncements different than you, but I still should be able to enter the temple. I suppose if you really feel that's important to you. I mean, if it's not your temple, I mean, this is like kind of a libertarian sort of answer, but it's like whoever owns the temple gets to decide who who comes and goes, and if it's not yours, and the people who own it can decide who gets in and who gets who doesn't get in. But the 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 things that are the things that are talked about in the temple aren't all, only available in the temple. I guess is what I would say. Ooh. Well, that, I, and I'm not trying to be coy. I mean, like, but isn't isn't that the case? Wouldn't you argue that the, those stories are? Much, I mean, Nibley, for example, made this point abundantly. Like, these stories are very very old. Like, they they've been used and talked about in many contexts and languages and cultures across oh, time. Yeah. You read Manley Hall's book about uh, the secret teachings of the ages. The ages yeah. It's just like good grief that these story these stories are rather available. You know, so. What, what do the scriptures good... say? There, there, there will be a time in the future when, like, this knowledge will be shouted from the rooftops. It's like, yeah, it's called Wi-Fi. I mean, like, <laughs> the internet. We're, we're there. Like, the, the, none of these are secrets. Okay. Like, the, the people just largely don't really care, or they misinterpret them as they please, or some combination of things like that. But like, there, there's nothing really there that people come away with. Like, now, so like, now I know everything that I wanted to know before. Um, there's a lot of confused people. And in fact, they, a lot of them are more confused after the temple, I would say, the Mormon temple experience. I think it's a stumbling block in, this, in a similar way. To okay, them. so why, why is that? Is it because we don't teach of it as an allegory? I think that's part of it. But like to the degree that we do, we leave parts unexplained or we explain them improperly. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious. Excuse me there. There's probably six thoughts that were rushing to get out of your mouth, and they couldn't all get out at the same time. They couldn't all get out at the same time. But seriously, I want to know, do you, have you ever heard it spoken of in an official circle as an allegory? Because I feel like I'm the only one that's ever brought that up. They'll, people will say it's symbolic, but they rarely, rarely, and this is what I'm trying to say, is I think I'm the only one I, I think I've ever heard of in my own mind in church saying you must consider yourselves respectively Adam 
and Eve. Well, so it's kind of like we were saying with the Book of Mormon. At the very beginning, you're given the key to understand the idea that this is not maybe what you literally think that it is, right? I have the keys to the mysteries, so I'm going to write a book, and there's going to be a lot of symbols in it. And if you don't have the keys to the mysteries, this is going to be a stumbling block for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Christ even called himself a stumbling block in that sense, right? Yeah. Like, I, I came here to teach, but then I, I became a stumbling block to so many, mm -hmm. especially the religious, the devout, the Pharisees, the whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the strictly dogmatic. Yeah, the, 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 the literalist, authoritarian... Um, legalists. Yeah, well, and and in a lot of ways, the people... And I who, use that in a broad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legalists, not necessarily like, uh, like criminal law type legalists, but legalists in the sense that... Um, Everything, everything's black and white and linear, and and means means what I want it to mean, and mm -hmm. is interpreted how I want it to be interpreted. And if you disagree with that, again, back to, back to that authoritarian sort of idea, it's like, well, if you're an authoritarian legalist, then um, all solutions are compliant. All problems are compliance problems, and uh, you know, escalation of authority and violence is the only solution because that's, you know, so things like well, the war in heaven, all this stuff, and it's like, well. I'm, Words like war as a symbol, you know, yeah. we're, it's it's funny. Like as a culture, we're so funny. We we have our symbols that like culturally we don't we don't even see that they're symbols. You can you can pull up you can pick up a newspaper. I guess we don't do that anymore. You can pull up <laughs> KSL.com and it's like oh holy war twenty twenty one and everybody goes oh that's when BYU plays Utah in football. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but if you if instead of saying holy, you know, and it, people don't people don't see that. That's not like a controversial thing to say. Nobody takes it the wrong way, but you know, things like the jihad sort of concept, which is like this big deal for everybody, understandably, but not to get into that. But I mean, if you talk about the war in heaven or like, you know, we're at war with such, it's it's like, well, what do you really mean? I mean, that's a war the as war, a the symbol. war on drugs, the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on terrorism, the war mm -hmm. on whatever. Um, I wish you could, just looking at KSL headlines, and so now I'm just trying to erase my mind back to the come well, back to. But it's, it's funny, like we don't it's see disorienting. The, we, when we when when we grow up holding the keys, if you want to think about it that way, we don't even see the symbols. We see right through them, right, or past them. Yeah, or with them. I mean, to some degree, it's like I can I can use a symbol to communicate with you, and you don't have to like pause translate that symbol into something and then compile that into a story and then read it back to yourself to make sense of it right i can just tell you the symbols and it makes sense yeah it's um, a mode it's a mode of communication that's what yeah. i think hieroglyphs are is uh, a hieroglyph means a sacred glyph or a sacred picture sure and it communicates a lot of things it could have a <laughs> it could have a multiplicity of meanings right it it might or it might re refer to something real like a tortoise and a hare, like we talked about. Yeah, before. if you had a picture, if you had a picture of a turtle, it could refer to that, but yeah. it could also refer to slow. Yeah, or it could and, refer and everybody to green. knows that the Egyptians took turtle to mean slow, and it's like, yeah, but slow in what sense, right? I mean, like, yeah. not not slow just in a in a in a vacuum in an abstract way. It's like, well, it just means slow. It's the word slow, and it's yeah. like, no, slow what? What? What's the context? What's the what's the communication meant to provide you with? Here? A, t a teacher, a, a teacher of ours, used to say that the dictionary is the most prejudiced book. In the language, well, especially these days when, <laughs> when, when it doesn't agree with what your agenda is, you just redefine all the terms, right? <laughs> and that—that's an interesting. I mean, that's a very topic. Orwellian topic, but so, like that's no, what happens, right? Is that, newspeak. That's what happens. Um, yeah, I've I had an interesting experience with symbol when I was teaching some primary kids in in sharing time one time, uh, and I was supposed to get up and talk. I think about 
Jesus as the Lamb of God, you know? And so, is, t- and is that a symbol? Or is he literally a lamb? I mean, like, people draw a picture of like a lamb on a cross, or they'll, you know, the lamb with a crown on it, or the glowing well, lamb or something. Ta- it's like, he was a lamb. And it's like, what does that even mean? Like, well, you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about um, the ultra literalists in, in our society. But then there's the, the reg- regular run of the mill Christianity likes to say, yeah, we understand he, a lamb as a symbol. It's a, it's a soft, docile, innocent and submissive. Innocent, and, yeah. 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 And, and so we, we here on our podcast, we'll take that one step further and, and get into the explanation of how, you know, in the age of Aries, Aries was the constellation that came up behind the, the sun on the equinox, the spring equinox. And therefore the symbol that was sacrificed to reverence the great sun god, the great god, was a ram or a lamb. Therefore, Jesus as the lamb of God, the son of the ram god, which in Egypt, we're going, here we are back to Egypt, Amun, the father, and Joseph Smith did say the name of the father was Amun, and he was no, you know, credentialed Egyptologist. Uh, the father was symbolized as a ram quite often. So to have the son be a lamb or a, a young ram, as sometimes he's called, is completely appropriate in the context of ancient symbol, but we, we don't, we don't want to harkens back to things like Abraham. Yeah. Right? We don't, All we this. don't talk about yeah. that very often. You know, the fact that he was going to sacrifice a, a bull, but he finds a ram in the thicket. You right. know, this is a, this is evidence that he was straddling two ages. He was there at the time of uh, the switchover from Taurus to Aries. And well, it's, it's, it's all very interesting. It's all very important yeah. relative to deciphering or to to have to 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 finding the keys that help us interpret the writings, so we can understand what they were really trying to say. Right. La- Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he's the Shepherd of Israel, and he's the Lion of Judah. And right. He's all these yeah, different. He's things. all these different things. Yeah. He has he has a lot of uh, functional symbolism associated with him. Anyway, I was uh, teaching the kids about how symbols work, and you know. These are kids, so we're, we're keeping it very basic. But yeah. I had a couple of examples. I had a, a stop sign and a, gr- a green light for green and stop and go, you know, red and green. And they, they're like, oh, yeah, red means stop. And green means go. And they're like, they're, they're loving it, you know. And I said, I want to show you a couple of other symbols. And so then I held up a University of Utah logo. <laughs> and half of the kids went nuts. They like started cheering, you know, and then I held up a BYU logo and half of the kids went nuts and the other half was booing, you know, and I stopped him. I'm like, do you guys realize how powerful these symbols are? You know, and I held it up and they, they just couldn't contain themselves. And the symbols are very, very powerful. Some symbols are, are loaded with emotion, you know, and yeah. identity and ego investment, tribalism. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of things that go into the, the way people use symbols i mean mo- mo- at the most basic level a lot of people don't understand the symbols kind of use them or are used to use them. that's what that's what i think what i was yeah trying so, to point out so so there are these sort of like um that's a good way people, that's a good people way to call them it. like dog whistles for example these days right where it's like, i hate yeah yeah and i know that that term is yeah. misused in a lot of ways but it's like okay you don't you some people won't know this i guess that's a different idea like that that's more like only certain people will know what well, i mean to, when to, i say this w- but. W- w- yeah to use the term dog whistle is to try to shut down your opponent without any argument that's that's the what they're doing now is you you make an argument and then they throw out the logical fallacy that you're just using a conservative dog whistle or something well i think i think the dog whistle idea is something like i can't say that i agree with these people over here cuz it's like like let's say there's a racist group 
And I can't say the kind of thing that they would cheer for because then I would be branded a racist and da da da. And so what they people do is they say, well, I'll say this thing and they'll know what I mean by that. And they'll know that I'm on their team. And so they'll cheer for me and support me. Well, yeah, but then other people are saying the way yeah. the, the way they attack that is to say, you just used a dog whistle. That's just a dog whistle. So now it's become a logical fallacy. You see what I'm saying? They'll say in, it, it's like it's like the no greater then he's not a real Scotsman fallacy. No true Scotsman. No true Scotsman. Yeah, it's like, well, you make you make this argument, but that's just a dog whistle. Well, so it's become so they've even degraded that concept that you're you're signaling to somebody in a way they can't hear. I guess my point is it's it's more like the conditioning thing where you can you can associate a symbol with a bunch of things that kind of all go together for somebody, right? Like it, it's hard for people to parse out like their whole culture. Oh sure. Like there, there's a lot well, people to don't unpack, people right? don't try. Yeah. Yeah, well and 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 like in a lot of ways it's kind of an impractical exercise, right? Well, it, I think it's it is easier. Well, but I mean like for the average person. I'm, okay, I, okay. I I'm, I'm very much in favor of parsing things out okay, like culture, yeah. but it's like you got someone it's like, well, so how do you how do what tribe why, are you a part of? Like well, who why are do we you? why do we think the way we think? That's I yeah. think a good starting point. If you're if you're confused on something, it's like, well, why do we think that? Well, let me go back to the origin of it. Why is it that so the culture thinks this way. Well, yeah. Well, or my or my religion or my teacher or whatever. Be, because because it's convenient to kind of summarize and package up a lot of complicated ideas, some of which you could articulate, some of which you couldn't into into one label. I mean, a lot of people say like, well, they say both sides of the argument. It's like, what do they even mean, both sides? As if this argument. As if there's been, only two sides. Yeah, like th- <laughs> this argument's clearly been defined. There's two sides, and you have to be on one side or the other. And it's like, well, there's there's a conservative view and there's a progressive view or a liberal view or something like that. And it's like, an well, what, illiberal view. What what do these terms what do these terms mean? I mean, if you, you can go etymologically and say this is what the terms actually mean, and or you could say, well, no, the people who use that term to describe themselves are using it as a as a sort of basket to carry all of these ideas in and say like, well, what I mean when I say I'm conservative or liberal is that I support X Y Z. And maybe it's even just like one or two things. That's as far as the, some people can really go with it. Other people say, "Well, no, I'm, I'm conservative because I think we should be, um, we should be careful with how we spend money." And I'm conservative because I like the traditional values from like my, my family and my culture and my church. Or I, you know, and or I'm liberal because like I think everybody deserves a fair shake. Or I'm liberal because I, you know, like. However, they would describe it for themselves. It's easier to just use this one term, and and then people kind of can assume a lot of things about you mm-hmm. without having to go and ask you with a question. Well, it's so identity where do you fit poli- on this? It's list? identity politics. Yeah, but it's also just like a, a convenient shorthand. I mean, like it, it it doesn't mean nothing. I mean, I think the terms themselves have been misused a lot, but like they're used pretty consistently by people who self describe with them. Yeah, it's the thing is, it's become like a college football rivalry here, and it, this happens in religion and politics where people begin to identify with the brand, but they brand, not, that's the right word. They, the brands. they may not really even identify with it, but they, they then have to identify like right now there's a, there's an illiberal, they call it a liberal package, but there's an <laughs> illiberal package out there that includes climate change, uh, acceptance of the gay transgender. I, I don't even, I, I shouldn't even couple those together. Cause some of the, the gay people are really not happy with the trans people, but, or the, bi or the people feminist or the people or whatever they are. Sure. But there's that, there's that whole side of things that's gender fluidity and then alternative lifestyles. And then government spending gets thrown into that and following the, the news media. Like there's a, there's a, there's like a set of catechisms or dogmas that they want you to accept now 
to be part of that brand. It's getting to be very rigid is what I'm saying. Don't you, don't you see that happening? I don't know how much are you following yeah. uh, popular media. Yeah, I do. Days. I do. I guess in a lot of ways, um, this is kind of like the Nietzschean view or whatever. It's like, well, when you, when you get rid of religion, you don't really get rid of religion. The problem is you got to come up with your own, or you're going to rebrand something else as religion. Every, That's we've every, talked about that. Yeah, the religion, every, the religion of the state. That was actually an yeah. episode we did a couple of weeks okay. ago. Yeah. So it's like, well, how can you? But have you got to tell the listeners who Nietzsche is. Oh yeah. Well, so just to finish that thought. Right there, <laughs> Sorry. Like, well, so, so the, the 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 state as a religion. It's like, well, we have this idea of separation of church and state. It's like, well, what if the state is your religion? Right. How do you separate them? If if peop, everybody has ultimate concerns. Like you can call them religion, you can call it a hierarchy of values. You can call it whatever you want, but it's like at the end of the day, you have, everyone has values, everyone has concerns mm -hmm. and they rank order those in importance, even if they don't do it uh, consciously, consciously and purposefully. And, and, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, okay, what's, what's most important to you in your life? It's like, that, that's your religion. Whatever at the top, is at it's the what, top of that? It's that's what you your worship. It's what you focus on. The, it's what you adore. We, it's what you imitate. Yeah. It's that's what, you, what yeah, we've talked exactly. about that, how the, the word worship it's what's worthy of your reverence. It's the thing that you... It's what you're imitating. It's what you're focusing on and imitating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, yeah. You're, what you're internalizing and, and uh, listening to and, and right. eating. You so are what you eat. It's people what talk you about People talk about the West or people talk about Judeo-Christianity or people talk about like they're using these like really big labels and it's like, well, what's underneath all of that? Largely is the teachings of Jesus. Like we're, we're haunted by the teachings of Jesus in our culture and the people that don't recognize it have still internalized a lot of that and they make assumptions that the rest of the world is or should be like that. And they, they project it on their states and they projected all these things, but really that's where all of the, all, where all of that comes from. So, and there, there are these silly attempts to distance ourselves from that, like the BCE, BC, AD, CE yeah. garbage but, where they've, where they've tried to, they've tried to in academia, if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, we used to, um, before Christ, we used to talk about ev era. yeah events that happened before Christ. So yeah. We call it BC, and now we call it before Common Era. But what was the what was the turning point there? What was the what was the central focus? They, I mean, they need to change the they if they really want to get away from Jesus, they're going to have to change the numbering of the years. Well, but but even then, it's like. <laughs> It's like the, the the numbers aren't terribly important. I mean, like like a lot of other things, you can use them and not understand them to to track time. Right, but, but I'm just saying there's this there's this there's this sense in academia that we can't. They're running away from their actual heritage, and 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 trying to say they don't have it when they actually have it because that's why I say they're haunted by. They're haunted. It, right? I'm, I'm just backing you yeah. up on this because this is an example of it where they can't. They're not. Um, intellectually bold enough to say, look, let's date everything from a different period. Well, date it where you want. It would want. be impractical. I mean, it wasn't one of the teachings of Jesus that this is how you shall start your calendar. I know, I mean, but like... that's, but it's, to, <laughs> it's always been in honor of him. And, uh, sure. Th they could, like the Romans had a different dating system and, the, and, sure, there and scholars, been plenty of dating scholars have to, yeah, scholars have to triangulate, triangulate or match them up or whatever, depending on what they're, what they're looking at. But the calendar isn't as important as the fact that your beliefs and your values and your cultures and your assumptions and your the, your lifestyle and everything is based largely, if you live in the West, as we call it, it's based basically on the teachings of Jesus. And you, you assume that you, you take them for granted. People, you meaning people in general, they take them for granted. They say, oh, well, sure, individuals have rights. And sure, slavery shouldn't be a thing. And sure, we should have presumption of innocence. And sure, you should love your neighbor and maybe even your enemy. And sure, like they go down that list. How, 
how do, how does uh, yeah? So let's talk about that. This is good. We're going to switch from symbol over to uh, how our society has uh, is grappling with this particular issue here. Tell us how Jesus taught about individual rights. Oh gosh, that's a big that's a big one. I mean, because see, that's a big deal right now. It's like no, for the greater good, Rob, you should get vaccinated. <laughs> oh wait, so are we talking about that, or are we talking about Jesus, or are we isn't talking about the, individual it is rights? The, it's the same discussion, isn't it? Well, do do you do, do you, you have the Jesus, highest? I saw on the a billboard on the freeway over here today, uh, uh, literally a billboard that said, "To love my neighbor, I needed to get vaccinated." It had a Christian themed thing that was I can't remember the exact exact wording. I'm not going to try to quote it, but it was literally saying to me, "Jesus wants me to get vaccinated." If you love your neighbor like Jesus taught, I think it literally mentioned the Lord, yeah. you will get vaccinated. I, I would argue that there's a case to be made for that approach being a very good example of taking the name of the Lord in vain. Okay. <laughs> to be honest. Because, sure. because if you're claiming, if, you're, if you want to speak as if the Lord gave you a message um, and you're just going to throw that around willy-nilly... I think that that's probably what that sort of refers but, to. But you're saying we can't, we're haunted, we're haunted by the teachings of Jesus is what you're saying. Right. Which I think we are, but we're also trying to invert them. Because you're, you said he, he supports individual rights. I, I agree with you. Love your neighbor as yeah. yourself is the ultimate basis of that, in my opinion. But evil is good, good is evil, like, up is down, down is up. Yeah. That's like, what's like a lot of peace like is a, strength. Yeah, like, like peace, a, is, peace is war. War is uh, strength. Is uh, war, ignorance war, is peace. I can't remember yeah, what Orwell ignorance said. is strength. Yeah. Uh, yeah, freedom is slavery. Yeah, or that's the, that's it. War yeah. war is peace. Yeah. Well, so I mean, we're jumping all around. I'm trying to like decide what how to answer. Okay, like, do whatever you you, you got, talk. I'll quit talk. You, I'll quit you, interrupting. You've got things like Christianity that really in our modern world have become something of a brand, and so it's like well. Who manages this brand? Well, people argue over that all the time. Are you a Christian or are you not? Mm -hmm. Right. And then, well, a true right. Christian, this and that and the other. And well, I'm a Christian because I'm biblical or something. And we talked about the stumbling block of the Bible, right. which the Book of Mormon actually says is a stumbling block, frankly. Right. Nephi it himself it, is like, well, there's going to be this big stumbling block they have. They, they won't they won't know what to do with that. It's going to cause all sorts of divisions. Right. Um, so... I mean, I, I'm trying to get back to your question of like. Well, Jesus there's a lot there, but yeah. G okay, so Jesus and individual rights, and uh, really, is that what our society is doing? Are they trying to tell you something different than what Jesus taught? Because I think they're actually teaching Antichrist when they say Jesus wants you to get vaccinated, or or it would be appropriate for you to do this. Well, if I if you because religion. If you redefine all the terms and then claim some, whether it's Jesus or someone else, as a martyr and then take up their mantle of, yeah, if you flip it, it's anti. But, well, yeah, but I mean, if you if you if that's the way you're going to go about convincing people, then I guess you're probably on the Orwellian side of things, right? <laughs> if I re redefine vaccination and then if I if I claim to speak on behalf of not just all other Christians or the majority of them or those who agree with me, I'm going to speak on behalf of Christ Himself. It's kind of like, well. I think that you're stretching it pretty hard, like to make your case. That's a very, that's a very non Christian. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, th that sort of does the same thing on the other side. Well, true Christian, that's no true Scotsman, but it's like, um,
you've resort you've re, if you've had to resort to those kinds of tricks then your message is obviously let's be charitable uh not clearly defined and not clearly thought out right if you have to if you have to go that far what to it, try to twist it twist what, people what if you have to resort it. to censorship well, same thing, right? Isn't that worse? Aren't we? Isn't that a step below what we're talking about? Like, if you, you can twist it is one thing, but once you start to resort to censoring people, then we're at a whole nother level. Well, they do both. I right? mean, why, why, why stop there? Why right? stop there? <laughs> so we're just gonna now. The next thing we do is we kill the cancel the people or kill them. Well, sure, because um, they 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 say things that hurt our feelings as it were right and it's like well they afflict you with their words <laughs> yeah yeah the, the some people take that to be pretty hard yes they do say, right if you if you if you if you're of a certain mindset then the truth hurts and and if it's not the truth then why does it harm you why don't you use the truth to just dispel it why don't you just speak the truth and that 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 does away with falsity right right we we should welcome the truth right yeah, but again, this we're in this world where the people who define what truth means, right? Now, you have a truth and I have a truth. Right, so, right. All of this sort of woke ideology and this postmodernist you, thinking and this... You're a, you're a guy who would say there is actual truth. There is objective truth. There's of course there is, truth. yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, and, and, and everybody else would say so too. They just, wouldn't, they just wouldn't know what they're talking about. I mean, well, so there's some really touchy-feely people out there would say, that would say, no, it's your truth or it's my truth or whatever. But I think... When it but comes then, down but to then they'll appeal to the objective truth in their own defense. When it defense, comes down to practical right? yeah. discussion, it's like, yeah. no, I believe in a certain truth and it's different than yours. And so, but mine is the real truth. Well, yeah, but see, they're just redefining the terms. Right. I mean, that, that, that's happened for millennia. It's like, well, if the argument isn't going my way, then I'll, I'll, use, I'll use the words yeah. to, 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 to hide behind. To hide behind or as a shield or I'll, I'll yeah. redefine them. Well, that doesn't mean what you think it means. and. Okay, so let's talk about individual rights and and society because okay. this is a good this is a good discussion we like to talk about. You know what what makes a good society? And I know you have actually written a lot about yeah. this. Uh, and some of our podcast friends are into volunteerism. And uh, since we've disclosed your name, sure, let's disclose your blog. Why not? <laughs> uh, livingvoluntary.com, is yeah, that it? That's right. Livingvoluntary.com. Uh, I would not say Rob is prolific on the blog, but most certainly efficient <laughs> and has some really good, really good content on his blog. And I think he's got a really, uh, a lot of really good things to say about, you know, society. We've talked about this before and I'm not trying to get you to, you know, say any one thing. I'd like you to talk about what, what you want to talk about, except for this idea that Jesus is into individual rights. I think that's important. Um, Christianity is kind of the thing that made Western society what it is. And it, and it was because of certain principles or ideas that men took as the gospel truth and lived, they lived their lives in such a way that resulted in this. Now, what we have is not necessarily, in my opinion— what would be the end result of true Christianity followed through? It's the result of fits and starts, right? You have a a great thing that happened in the American experiment, for example, and then you had the war between the states several years later, which resulted in the American empire, right? So it's not really 
like America represents what the founding fathers really were all about, but they, they enshrined some really good principles. So tell, tell me what some of your philosophy is there and what, ha- what happened, what should happen, what, what are... What what should we do? What are we? What did what did Jesus teach? What what would Jesus do, Rob? What, what would Jesus do? Well, if you if you were to ask his disciples who were who were Stud- constant, let's let's use the word students. Students. If you were to ask his uh, students who were constantly surprised at what he did, and who followed him around and spent a lot of time with him, uh, what would Jesus do? Might be might seem like a more difficult question to answer than people pretend it is today, right? But I think the what would Jesus do thing isn't a bad idea in terms of like. Think of what you know about the teachings of Jesus, and what does he, what, 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 what did he teach? That's different than like, what would Jesus do? Well, he would do what a Christian would do because he was a Christian like me, like that, that sort of mentality. Which, which either means you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna turn the other cheek in every case and be a pacifist, or it means you're gonna follow the prophet. It, it means whatever it you means, want it to mean, it mean because yeah, that, you're a Christian yeah. and you can speak on behalf of him. Like this is what happens, right? They use his name in vain. Well, you ride regard. you ride for the brand. You yeah, know, that. Uh, Right. That's a old cowboy term, ride for the brand. It's you, a brand. You don't ride for somebody else's brand. You ride for your brand, <laughs> you right. know, and you get all the cows. We're on. not chasing their cows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, there's several questions in there. Um, I know. So I, start I'm answering tempted, these. Start answering these questions. I'm tempted. So, I mean, you talk about like individual rights. It's like, well, whether people think about it that way or not, that's really at the core of all of this. Who who has the highest and best claim to your body? Who has the highest and best claim to the resources that you acquire through your effort and your fair trading? Like, if you think it's somebody other than you, I think the burden of proof is is clearly on the side of that. <laughs> to like, who has a higher claim to Only possession God. of your body? Well, Only God. Okay, and if he if he comes to claim it, then that is what it is. We'll get it resolved. Right. Until then, <clears throat> I think I have the highest claim to to, to my body. Well, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I think most people do, but they don't. They don't. They don't think about that and. It was interesting to me, uh, speaking of like current events, and this is a little less current, but it's it's sort of an ongoing pattern. When the Hong Kong protests oh, yeah. um, were going on, they were waving American flags in the street, which on one hand may make people think like, what does that mean? And then in Cuba, when, when Cuba had a bunch of uh, protests. demonstrations, yep. protests, reason, they're waving the American flag in the street. Why? Like it's, are you it's, asking me or are you going to answer that question? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess a literalist might see that and be like, they are in favor of the United States government's agenda on whatever topic. Exactly. And it's kind of like, well, no, I mean, I don't think so. I think I think you could make a case that the American flag is one of these symbols that, that for a lot of people, it's like a Rorschach test. It's yeah. like It's like, I hold this up and like, however you react to it, that tells me who you are. Okay, so explain the Rorschach test. Rorschach? Rorschach. Rorschach. So the Rorschach inkblot test is this famous okay, thing, right? Okay, inkblot. That's where so he would take a piece gonna... of paper and he'd sprinkle ink on it and he'd fold it in half and he'd open it up. What do you see? And it would be kind of a random pattern. He would show it to his uh, psychology patients or mm-hmm. or I, I guess they probably used it with students and who are, who, lots of different groups. But they would show the inkblot to you. And of course, it has no objective meaning. It's it's ink that fell on a page that got squished together, and it's so usually they're kind of these symmetric looking things. So they might look like a butterfly or like just random stuff. Right. right. The idea is that you're going to see what's on your mind or in your deep psyche. You're going to put. You're going to. You're, you're going to be able to put you're that into put words. yourself right into it. Right. Yeah. yeah and you're going to be like, yeah. this means what I what I'm thinking. Like right? so, if you showed <laughs> if you showed Bruce Wayne one of those, it's a bat. It's a bat. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and if you and if you show um, if you show a woke. 
politician one, it's capitalism or Trump or it's something. It's climate it's change. Trump. Yeah, it's, it's all Trump. every single one of them is Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not to not, not that like so I'm some Trump apologist, but like I mean, the point is that this sort of mass psychosis of like. I'm going to project myself that I that I haven't really thought very carefully about and that I probably don't understand onto all of these symbols and then I'm going to wave them as if they mean something. And so one person waves the American flag and they mean something like my brother's a cop and I like having guns and go team or something. Yeah, I don't know. have a flag with someone a blue else line waves, in it. Someone else waves it and says like, oh, you know, women's rights or something. And someone else waves it and says like, oh, someone says that's a, that's a slavery mm-hmm. symbol, right? So what do you think the Cubans in the Hong Kong... Uh, residents, I think they mean thought. individual rights. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. I think, I think they, they mean freedom. I think they mean the core idea of the West, which is freedom. The individual is the right level at which to make decisions. And if if you want to freely associate with people or freely disassociate with people, if you want to cooperate, you know, whatever, you do it on the terms of what we have come to sort of call capitalism. And there's another term that a lot of people mess up, but it just means private property ownership. So it's like, if you own your own body and you cooperate with other people peacefully, like that's the idea. Like if you take that into, I also want to be religious or I also want to be hyper productive and technological, or I want to just like live on my farm and like be this independent person, like whichever, whatever other things you've got going on. The idea is, shouldn't we be left alone from other people telling us what to do with our own bodies and our own stuff? Like we're the peaceful people. Okay, but think, <laughs> think of the children. Rob, right. Think of the, what about the greater good? Yeah. And, and who gets to define that? Exactly. Yeah. We have experts that do that. Isn't the, isn't the ultimate greater good allowing people to choose, allowing peaceful people to choose? Isn't that the ultimate great good? No, because people make bad decisions. Like for example, they will, (laughs) they will go to a restaurant with a cold. Or they might order a sugary drink at the restaurant and like, yeah, we can't let if, them get fat because it's also our if, responsibility to take care of their health. What if people die from the cold that they get at the restaurant? What if, what if one person out of a thousand might die? You see, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on this. I'm with you on this. I think we've, we've, we talked about it briefly. Uh, I, there, there's a lot of manipulation going on, right? right Sa- now. Safety isn't a right. Safety is a responsibility. So what do we, we, we have this problem, which is that what you're saying makes sense to most people, but they're easily turned to safety. What, what turns them? What, what causes people to shift? Is it just propaganda? It's fear propaganda, right? But well, what, yeah, what, if you scare people, then they'll scare do people. They do stuff. Yeah. And so like, you don't have to scare people. Most people, you don't have to go very far to scare them. No. And that's right. what we're seeing. Especially if you kind of train them and condition them to trust you and to fear what you've told uh-huh. them to fear. So it's like, you know, the bat, the Batman thing. It's kind of yeah. like, it's kind yeah. of like, oh, like, it's the big fear response. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, um, so I'm trying to get back to your original question. Well, the, the issue is that it makes a lot of sense that we ought to protect individual rights. You know, it, we hold, we, you and I hold these truths to be self-evident that God all men are created equal and that they're endowed by this creator yeah. with certain unalienable rights, namely life, liberty, and righteous enjoyment of property or the pursuit of happiness, sure. right? Because you can't just take your property and hit people over the head with it. We know that. Well, yeah, but, but see, we, th- th- this is like Ethics 101. Yeah, I've got a blog post about this, like the whole reciprocity idea. It's like if, if you won't extend... Um, if you can't extend reciprocity to people on the values that you hold for yourself, then you can't really you can't really make any ethical 
claims. You can't talk about right and wrong mm-hmm. like that. You're out of the game. I'm sorry. So, so I think you, what you're teaching here, what you're saying is true and that you probably identify with the listeners of the mind virus show <laughs> and all of my anonymous, we, all of friends. your anonymous friends. Now all <laughs> these new anonymous friends, what, uh, please comment on the, on the podcast at uh, mindvirus.show. <laughs> so I think we, I think we find ourselves in, in very, uh, positive, significant agreement here. It's, and I think you're in agreement in general with a lot of Americans, probably most of Americans, they just don't understand, but they're easily distracted. They're easily, um, they stumble on the symbols. They stumble on the symbols. stumbling block. They do stumble, but they also, they also are easily manipulated by fear. And so I think that, you know, what is it? 65% of the country is now vaccinated. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either, to be honest, but really that's since they change the definition regularly of what that means. Well, it's yeah. kind of hard to come up with a, a consistent number. That yeah. That's, sense. that's another good point. But, uh, we find ourselves in a situation where those rights are under attack, right? I those, mean, those rights, that. meaning the right to bodily integrity, like the right to not have someone experiment, not just that, but like, what about own? your property? You know, property tax. What about, we've been under attack for yeah. a long time. Sure. We, you know, if you, we settled the issue of whether a, a state could leave the union what 150 years we we you that, can't because actually, they will come back that's in. actually another one of those really interesting ones the word we like we we found out like people talk about this with science too well we know this and we yeah know that. we won this war and we won this football game it's the same mentality right yeah you watch you watch your your team win a football game you go oh we won Whew, thank goodness it's yeah like, we? <laughs> you watch them <laughs> you watch those guys win the game i yeah I, I agree with you totally what do we do what what do we what are some of your thoughts on on how things are going right now and what we sh- people like you should be doing about it? Yeah. Well, peaceful, productive people who have a community around them are pretty resilient. Um, I think a lot of people that end up struggling in really hard times are people who aren't aren't either are unwilling or unable to be productive. They can't cooperate. They have no community. They, they have no way of actually being uh, resilient, either mentally or like the way they physically rely on to getting food or, you know. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think be, being the right kind of person is the best protection and connecting with other good people is the best connection. Um, a lot of things can be taken from you and people know this to really saddening degrees. Um, but, you know, your, your ability to be a peaceful, productive person and to cooperate with others uh, is something that's, um, that's the best defense against tyranny, I think. Okay, so that's a mindset. Because if you become dependent, sorry, to just to extend the thought. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. The, the opposite the opposite is true, right? If you become dependent and disconnected and <laughs> then how how are you supposed to make sense of anything? Like well, you, if, you get on tough times and you're you're a dependent, disconnected Yeah, if I were Bobby productive person. <laughs> if I if I were Bobby Flood, I'd jump in here and say that's exactly what they're doing. I'd have some sort of a strange voice. I'd have a uh, he's got some really good voices he likes to pull out. He'd be like, that's exactly what we're meant to do is to isolate you and <laughs> cause you to be dependent on us. You know, that's the that's what the media has done mm-hmm. in the last two years is isolate people and say, we, we are your single source of truth. Well, it's funny. I think they're trying to do that, but I don't think they're doing it very effectively. I don't think very many people are watching. Well, let's go, Brandon, right? <laughs> it, let's go, Brandon, is the is the rallying cry of people who understand that 
let's call them mainstream corporate media or whatever you want to call them, they're tools. Right. And a lot, and everybody's sick of their nonsense. And like the the internet has made it so obvious. What would you say to somebody that says, no, let's go. Brandon just means F Joe Biden. Pull your, pull your head out. I I would say that it does mean that, but again, this is one of those symbols that you say, well, it's, it's bigger than that. Because it because you it's could say t- it's a hundred times bigger. You could than say that. it started as that, but even F. Joe Biden was wasn't. I mean, again, like the literalists aren't like literally saying that that's a good <laughs> idea. What they're what they're saying is all of this stuff that's going on. Like again, we're not going to go make a big list. Yeah, even the people who were saying grievances, even the people who were saying, saying, "I'm sick that, yeah. of all this crap. I'm yeah. sick of being told what I can do with my private property. I'm sick of being what told I can do with my time. I'm sick of being told what I can do with my body. I'm sick of being told what I can do with my job. I'm sick of being told that I have to." That's what the na- obey that's what the original nonsense. NASCAR chant meant. That's what yeah. the, when they're chanting so F. F. Joe Biden, Biden. That's thing. what they mean. And then and then the Let's Go Brandon took it to the next level because the media that that woman was interviewing that race car driver and she's like, "Oh, they're chanting Let's Go Brandon." And then you hear in the background what they're actually chanting, and it's kind of like well she basically represents all of that mainstream exactly media, the, the legacy media let's call them right yeah yeah these old corporate these old media. people who think okay we're, we're the ones that really get to control the messaging and yeah. it's kind of like well there was a time when that was true but nobody's listening anymore right and now everybody everybody who says let's go brandon is saying so you support people running around with the t-shirts and the flags like hey yeah let's well, let's go brandon well, why not do they own the t-shirts? Do they own the <laughs> this is like, this is like the, it's like the flag burning thing. Do you support burning the flag? It's like, if you bought it, and it's your flag. I don't care. Burn it. Do you support book burning? Is it your book? Sure. If it's my book? No. It's, I mean, this is a private property issue. Like, right. And that's, that's a problem is because we, we live in a society. You can wear whatever where shirt you want. Well, the library, for example, if they're taking books out of the library and burning it, they, they used everybody's money for that against our will, of course. Right. The, and, and you know that we're in a society where People like us have long been ostracized and uh, excluded from the agora is the way I would put it in terms of Revelation chapter 13. Mm-hmm. They've been unallowed to agorazo, to buy or sell. To There's there's two verbs in there. One is agorazo and the other one is starts with a P. I forget it all the time. But it means to frequent the marketplace or conduct business. Buy and sell. Frequent the marketplace and conduct business is the way I would have translated that. And if you don't have their mark, you're canceled. You're canceled. You're you're excluded from the marketplace. You can't. Well, the the idea of the marketplace and the idea this is like maybe it's the town center. Time, That's what yeah. the agora is. But but like who owns it? I mean, this is back. This is like the libertarian perspective is always going to come back to well, who owns it? Like, do you have a right to demonstrate? It's like on your own property with your own sign. Sure. Do you have a right to spray paint on the side of my house? No. Yeah. So do you do you <laughs> hold that deep of a libertarian view that it's all private property, or is there a town center that's like there is public property? there is only private property. That's the only kind. Private and property are synonyms. (laughs) Okay, but there are cultures like tribal cultures that don't look at it that way. Like Indians view the their territory a lot more loosely. Who decides? Who decides who has the right to occupy and use the resources? If you don't want to talk about ownership, right? Exactly. I agree. Who can occupy and use, and who makes that decision? Who makes those decisions? Somebody does. Those are the owners. Yeah. So then in that case, it's the elders of the tribe or the chief or the king or whatever. Okay. Is but, that, but in is that, that case, in that case, you're just saying that they own it. Like this idea that everybody owns it or that nobody owns it. That means that everybody gets to no, make I, decisions about occupancy and use. I, I agree. Does. That's the whole point is that the, that the, uh, that the Their government group, owned. the government, the government like, or the. So saying, saying public property. 
Right, because you don't control the government. It's like, you might, you, it's like saying public school. It's like, this is a government indoctrination center. This right. is not a public school. No, they want you to vote so that you'll, you have a psychological stake in it. Like, oh, I voted, but I didn't get what I wanted. Well, so yeah. therefore... Voting in democracy is probably another good topic. That's another good topic. Time. But yeah, yeah. and, and I, I think you have some really interesting thoughts on that. But the, the point is that there's a, there are, for lack of a better word, public places, right? There are places that throughout history people have congregated and whether it's a shopping mall or whatever, where they come and they they say something and they talk and they they coordinate. I think shopping mall is a good example. They also also excommunicate people from that. They kick them out of the mall or they kick them out of the whatever. Or if they own it. Because, right. They set the terms, right? Just like you do at your house. But that's that's what happens here in this world. What if we're going to create a better society? Is it all just based on private property? Yes. Okay. De- everything decentralized, private property. Like privatize everything, decentralize everything. That's and that's, that will create Zion. No, uh, I think I think it's a necessary but not sufficient. Okay. Sort of argument. So th- that's another good uh, question to throw in there, and I think you talk about whatever you want to talk about, but. Uh, because this isn't me just quizzing you. You don't have to answer my questions directly. I w- I'd like to, what w- what I think I would like to know, and, and people like me that listen to this show, I think, somebody's listening to this show. Somewhere. <laughs> uh, Sometime. That's what, what's on our minds, is we see society changing in such a way, because there was sort of a, what would you call it, a Mexican standoff or a tenuous truce between the people and the secret combination oligarchy trying to control us for many years there was creeping tyranny you know there's been changing regulations and and new laws and you know intimidation and threats you get the waco texas stuff ruby ridge stuff you get these violence violent episodes you get protests the Maller wildlife refuge and then lavoy finnegan gets shot you know all kinds of stuff has been going on on the fringes meanwhile there's a uh there's a sort of a narrative, uh, con- an ongoing narrative going on in the corporate news. And, and you know, half of the country doesn't vote because they're checked out and they don't really care, but they still get their news from certain places. And so we have this weird fallen world of lies and half-truths and the matrix. We're in the matrix and we're, you know, but we're, but we're, we're trying to, to exist in a, in a way uh, and cooperate with each other and, and not have it all go to hell where we have to do exactly what the oligarchy wants in order to have a job or not, not that everybody has to have a job, but in order to just live our lives and, and, and exist with each other, we're finding right now that there's a lot of, there's a movement on, and some people call it socialism. Some people call it a tyranny. There's this movement to take more of our individual rights. Right. So, so how, is there anything we can do, uh, you know, for you talked about getting your mind right, but specifically, or, you know, and you don't even have to talk about what we can do. But how do you see this all all going on? And 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 do you see it about the same way as well, me? Or po- politics is downstream from culture. Okay, so trying to solve a problem politically when the problem isn't a political problem, it's just it's just it just has political symptoms. Right. So, so really, right, culture is what this is about. Okay. So okay, what is so that? What is that? But but the culture is affected. See, because I don't see politics as really political in the sense that I think that most people would define it. I see it as an extension of an oligarchy. There's a, there's an oligarchy that controls the politics and then there's an oligarchy that controls the media. 
and they're the same oligarchy. Sure, it's sure. A, it's a secret combination, if you will. It's a conspiracy. We've talked. We've talked a lot. It's an about open that. conspiracy, but sure. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. it's not like it's a theory or a secret or something. No. It's in, in fact, we were we were discussing earlier the David Rockefeller quote about how he says, "Well, if I'm part of a cabal trying to control the world, well, then I stand guilty." You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, why doesn't anybody read their stuff? <laughs> you know, because they say they're 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 trying to take over, which means. <laughs> So, so essentially, you have a group of people that is opposed to individual rights that wants control. They want individual rights for themselves. Let's be clear. Yeah, they just won't reciprocate. Right. They're, they're, there's they'll, that. They'll, they'll claim they'll claim self defense on their own behalf, but they won't let you claim self defense. Right. So there's two yeah. t- a two tiered society yeah. essentially is what what has been since the beginning of time. There's this has been the tendency of men to try to control other men and, and gain power and and get control and gain yeah. and, and all that so stuff. The so the political sphere. I mean, like I don't think there are solutions there. Yeah, neither do I. Nobody, yeah. nobody on this podcast is saying, "Hey, let's go out and organize." We're going to vote our way out of this. We're going to vote. We're not. We're, we're going to do it. <laughs> Good luck. We're going to do it by joining the Republican Party and fixing it from yeah, within. Change the Nazi Party yeah. and that, change it from we're, we're not yeah. in that. In fact, last week, Bobby, I was. We could we talk about this all the time. I was like, "Well, Bobby, what do we? What are we going to do? How is it? How are we going to? You know, can we do this, that, or the other?" And his he was saying. You know, we're not going to fix it. He's saying exactly what you're saying. So I think you're, you're finding a familial ground here. But there are things we should do and we could do, right? I mean, in the face of the ongoing apocalypse. Yeah, you know, the Great is, Reset or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, so you think back, a lot of people try to compare it. I think in some cases aptly, like the fall of the Roman Empire to like what's happening, you know. What does it look like when an empire dies? You know, you're like, well, they get involved in a war in Afghanistan and they debase their a currency. A land war in Asia. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they feel victim to the classic blunders, obviously. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I think there are some apt comparisons there, but it's also like, what really happened? Like, the, the Roman Empire didn't disappear. Like, all of its constituents didn't disappear and all of its infrastructure didn't disappear. Right, there's sort of, of a... culture didn't disappear. Like, what, what actually happened was... The, the 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 controlling interests of the of the time had to disband slash rebrand yeah and and like things went on in a different sort of way but with the same momentum of the culture well yeah there's a lot in our culture in our psyches due to media that there will be a movie style event right and that will devolve into a the, the meteor, the atomic bomb, the something, the, the reset thing. We'll, yeah, will devolve into sort of a post-apocalyptic yeah, world. Right. And so, so what you're saying, I think, is that that's unlikely to happen. I, I think that is unlikely to happen. I think it's more likely. What about that, like second coming religious overtones that get thrown in there? Well, I, I think that's a completely different discussion. I, I don't think I understand that the same way that, um, let's just say, literalists might understand that. Okay. Um, no rapture. Well, I mean, I don't know. I. I, I definitely don't think that like right every generation's always like, well, this is it. Like Jesus is coming in fifteen years. Get your guns and gold ready or something for get, some reason. Get ready to move to and Missouri. Then, yeah, and then get ready to be like lifted up in the sky and then watch all the watch all the bad people burn. Whatever. I mean that's not that's not I think a productive mode of thinking. Right. I, I agree. You gotta look at your geopolitical situation and act according to that. Yeah, but I mean, you it's that, like that you that you want to pack, get through thing. it. It's like what well, Jeff Deist, who is the president of the Mises Institute, which is a, an organization I recommend to people who are trying to learn about like uh, let's just say libertarian ideas. Um, he talked. To, I'm trying to remember what I, how I got on this topic. Oh, he got this idea that one of the things that the pandemic has taught people is just how local everything is. How much how much local stuff matters. 
how much it matters what you're I mean like what does it does it matter does it did it matter that much what Joe Biden said it actually made a really big difference what it was like in your community right what what did people at your church say what did people what did the mayor say what did the governor of your state say like it it, it ended up showing people that it, this isn't all like this one big game of like who gets to sit in Joe Biden's throne and that will answer all the problems it's like well you're not voting your way out of the national debt yeah you're not voting your way out of of all the uh, a lot of this other nonsense but you know if you're governor if if you're the governor of Florida you have a very different experience than if you're the governor of California right, right. so so in uh, Utah we're locally dominated a lot by the ward structure the stake in the ward yeah, structure yeah communities are largely built around wards and and uh, for in, the most part Utah's i think 50% mormon now at this point so especially up in Salt Lake Valley, you're going to see a lot more people that don't participate right. in that In the structure. rural areas, you're going to see a different percentage. And, and, yeah. yeah, in the rural areas, it's a lot higher. So uh, that being the case, I, I'm, I'm concerned. I think a lot of our listeners are concerned because, you know, even though everything's local or you have a greater effect on your, your local sphere. And it has a greater effect on you. And that's the other yeah. that's the other side of it is that it has a greater effect on you. So now we're in a situation where... We have the local control structure, the the predominant religion, the LDS Church, is saying things like you need to get vaccinated, and you should wear a well. You wear you a need mask. is an interesting way to. Start I know, a I know. A like lot that. of a lot of people like you would go ahead, open minded, rigid, uh, strong minded people who think for themselves would say, well, he didn't say I had to. <laughs> I mean, they'll lawyer yeah. they'll lawyer that, but most people, I think, take that as a. Uh, um, you got some visitors here. Should we pause? Um, I do have visitors. They're coming in. Yeah. Well, and it might it might be a good time to to wrap to up. Call it a day, but I'm I'm happy to chat with you. Well, whenever. let's uh, let's wrap it up. Anyway, we have we have a situation here where um, it appears that the local dependable st- support structure is somewhat gone to the <laughs> gone to the side of the oligarchy. You know, supporting. Yeah, I think that there will be some lessons learned from that. Let's put it you that You think way. so? Well, I mean... You think they'll recover? I think that there's historical precedent for things like that. Look at what happened in World War II. Do you have uh, a high percentage of people in your local ward wearing masks to church? Hmm. Uh, I would say the percentage is probably like 60-40 mask wearing. 60-40 mask wearing? Probably. I, when I was at church yesterday. Okay, yeah. so... A majority of people are wearing masks. Maybe close to fifty fifty. It's something. So like in that. our in our ward, it's like seventy thirty. Okay. Against. Okay, seventy seventy percent of people not wearing masks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, but I know that there there are some wards like my mom's ward where she's the only one that's not in the boat. You know. Okay. So, sure. <laughs> which is really hard, or, or she's one of the few. But uh, so we do have a situation where we find ourselves. Uh, you know, potentially at odds with our neighbors in a, in a big way due to well, the prevailing narrative. Yeah, this is this is kind of I think we were talking about this before we started recording, too. I think it's it's regretful to me that that the church would be either seen or used as a tool to come between people. Um, you know, the, like you said, communities are largely built around wards in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, some people think that's a, a good thing. Some people think it's not a good thing. <laughs> Well, um, I think it's unfortunate 
that that it, that it would come between people whether uh, who are in the church and who aren't in the church. I also think it's unfortunate it would come between people who are in the church but see things differently on whatever topic. Um, I think most people don't want to make an issue of the mask thing. I think most people, I think you have a, you have an element of Mormonism that's heavy on obedience. And so a lot of people are kind of like, well, if this is the thing that I'm going to do that. And not because I'm going to, not because I have bad feelings for people who don't, but because I want to kind of show whose team I'm on. And it's like, okay, fine. Ultimately, if there were a crisis, I do think I could depend on my neighbors. And maybe this is just me, but I mean, my neighbors are good people. They, they are productive, peaceful people with strong family values and they are independent minded and they are mm-hmm. productive and capable and they would, they would be very willing to help me if I needed help. And I would be very willing to help them if they needed help. And that goes for my neighbors who, who are church going folk and, and my mm-hmm. neighbors who aren't church going folk. I think I, I think I'm lucky to live in a place. I'm See, grateful I think to live in a place like this. I think that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, well, it's, it's relevant, but it's irrelevant if the prevailing propaganda has convinced those people that you could potentially be transmitting a deadly disease to them. Well, if that's the case, you know? I mean, if they if they didn't want me at church because I don't want to wear a mask, then okay, I won't go. I yeah, mean, that, that shouldn't really that shouldn't really turn into something more than that. What if they don't want you at the grocery store? They, meaning the grocery store owners, right? What if what if that's the that's the point that we get to in our society? And I, you're you're looking at that well, from if a they private, own the private grocery property store standpoint. And they if they don't want me there barefoot and or or barefaced, then I guess that's their call. If they are just acting as Stu- enfor- enforcers yeah. of of someone else's mandates, mandates, because right. we regardless of the legal moral, you know, but behind the mandates, the, all of those aspects, it's like. That's a different scenario to me because that that's not them saying, "Hey, you're you're on my property; you have to obey my rules," which is fine. It's somebody else telling them what their rules have to it's, be. It's something to tell yeah. you enforce our rules on your property, and it's like, well, then I guess it's not my property, right? And we're back to this I, this, this central idea of the West, which was private property. Yeah is this is this mine and I decide whether it's my body or my home or or my business or is this yours and. I'm just operating at your behest, and well, you see, get to a, tell me any time and take it away from me. That's another good question relating to church. Who owns the church building? The cor- legally, the corporation. I, I get that. Sure. But that's the, that's not what's understood. This is supposed to be my church, and why couldn't I come and yeah. participate, having paid tithing and having been a, a faithful calling fulfiller for my whole, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you want to get into like the, the legal structure and the corporate structure, yeah, of like I, well, the church, we could. We story, we, we understand yeah. exactly what happens there. That they they own it. The the corporation's soul, which is owned sure. by the prophet or yep. the president, whatever right. you want to call him, he has the legal right to all that, and he can. So whatever he says goes. But in a cultural sense, we sort of expect that there are communal areas that I participated in. I helped build this. This in, in every case, the community is crowdsourced in a in a big way throughout history sure. you know and uh people don't view things as rigidly in a sense in, in a property rights sense as, as you've kind of described and so yeah. and so what do you do when you become ostracized with from that or they or they want to these are the types of decisions that cause lehi to have to leave jerusalem i think it's like look they're we're no longer compatible in these ways, it's better if we just go. And the problem is, it doesn't appear that there's a, a promised land we could all just go yeah. to and start up our new individual rights. Yeah, I mean, every, so every corner we, of the globe is claimed by a yeah. state. Right? So what do we do? Anyway, I uh, I think uh, we probably should wrap up here. Um, 
Although I think maybe. Yeah, we're getting a knock at the door. It's yeah, probably okay. time. Well, let's wrap up. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, um, anytime. You, if, if people are curious what I have to say, then I'm happy to tell them. If not, that's fine too. <laughs> okay. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you later. Thanks for visiting with us on the Mind Virus Show. Thank and, you. And uh, have a great day. All right. Bye-bye.